Welcome to episode three of our podcast, Miracle Stories, with Wally Cook of Amazing Love Missions and special guest, Charlie Elliott of Soul Harvest Missions. Well, welcome to episode three of Miracle Stories. I'm Wally Cook with Amazing Love Missions. Her special guest is Charlie Elliott from Soul Harvest Missions. And Charlie, sometime in this too, if you would, give people information about how they can find you on the internet and those kind of things in case people hearing this may want to support you or may want to know more about you. Um, And what we're doing is um, I've been having Charlie recount some of the miracle stories of things he's seen God do. And we've been talking about some stuff that's happened in the past. But Charlie, what's God doing now? Well, it's, it's just like so much everywhere, Wally. Uh, what I think I'd like to share the most about is it's actually the most encouraging thing to me. And I think sometimes uh, we we slip into a mentality, maybe even some unbelief or a spirit of unbelief sometimes. Well, God does those things on the mission field and in foreign countries, or God used to do those things in America, but God's not doing anything like that in America anymore. Uh, or at least not in my little town, um, or where I'm at, or I don't know about it. And uh, when when God called me, He just said, "Charlie, I need you to do three things for me. I need you to do the work of an evangelist, which you know is calling people into relationship with Jesus. I need you to be an instrument of revival, and I need you to um, help others get started in their ministry." And so we were always really focused on one of those, or or doing two of those. Sometimes we're doing all three, and what we're doing it all works together. My favorite of all those is Revival. Uh, I love that the best. And um, I've seen Revivals come. I've seen Revivals break out for months. You and I were involved in one uh, that went three months, and we didn't have any wisdom about it. We went every day for 90, <laughs> every night for 90 nights. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so God killed, quit we, about month we, two, and we kept going for another month after that. And we, we killed everybody, but yeah. uh, physically. Um, but anyway, um, Revival is something that uh, I invest my heart in heavily. Uh, uh, the, the grace of supplication and, and and the spirit of intercession comes on me so strong, and and that's usually the first thing that I'm able to impart that into the people, and once it's imparted into the people, it lifts off of me and a different kind of fire comes on me. But it's so dear to my heart, and I'm so protective of it that uh, I've taken it personally. I get, And I got hurt over the years. Uh, the last major revival I saw... Uh, was in extra New Hampshire uh, in 2009, and we went several months, and and we saw incredible miracles and salvations and deliverances, and and that was something else in in New England. It was really special. But um, in 2017, uh, the Lord uh, He walked into my office and talked to me. I didn't see him, but He talked to me in a very different, special way, and He said, uh, "Charlie," and I was. Hurt. I just said, I'm never going to do another revival. I'll just do evangelism. I'll train up people, but I'm not going to give my whole self at that level just to see something stop or see something get goofy in the end. And I've goofed, a lot of it's me goofed it up at the end, you know, yeah. um, or not be people not understand the value and the fruit of it and, and, and continue on when it was time for me to leave. And I'm not just talking about, uh, and I'm not, not in any way really talking about. New Hampshire, but just other times. And the Lord said, Charlie, uh, revival is all my idea, and I do it when I want to. 
And the only reason that you could do what you did is that you were under an outpouring and you could pray like that under that outpouring and fire. And and that's why you saw what you saw. And he said, and and, and you know that I come upon you to, to intercede like that at times. You just can't make that happen. You can position yourself for it, but you can't make it happen. And he said, son, you never had anything to do with it. It, it wasn't happening because you prayed. Uh, you could pray because it was happening. And uh, you took it personally. You got hurt. And, uh, you, you know, <laughs> took credit for something that I did and, and, and or, or whatever. I don't know how he can phrase it. But he healed my heart in that process. And then he said this. He said, I'm about to do it again, and you're invited to go along if you want to. I said, well, Dad, you know I want to because this is my favorite thing. So yes, I'm 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 going. If you let me go, if you give me one more chance, I'll go. But it healed my heart in such a way. Now, if I go, and I'm there one night, revival doesn't break out. I'm happy if a revival goes three weeks, two weeks, one week. I'm happy. I I don't carry that burden anymore. I leave it where it is, and I go home and eat good and have fun with Julie and hit a golf ball. Love all my grandkids, and I'm, I'm enjoying life. And but we're. Seeing revival again, not just on the mission field and in India where we're working, just tremendous revival uh, among Christians and but and and in Colombia, but we're seeing it in America. We're, God's giving us assignments in America, and so um, in March of uh, 2021, uh, I was preaching up in Nebraska with a, a friend of mine, uh, Chris Kildosher, who's an evangelist and prophetic guy, and. We did a Saturday night meeting together, and he said, Charlie, if you're not busy, go with me uh, to Nebraska. I'm flying over to Nebraska. Um, excuse me, I'm flying over to Colorado Springs tomorrow. Uh, go over there with me. And I said, well, Chris, I don't, I don't think I can get a ticket on Ford, you know, right now like, on less than 24 hours' notice. And I said, I've got my car, you know. It's a long way, man. It's a long drive. And I, I really... Uh, and I'd already been on the road for a while, and yeah. this was my last stop in Nebraska. And I think I'm just going to deadhead back to to, to Texas, uh, where we were at the time. And and I said, I'm not, I don't I don't think I'll come. I, I'm not going to do it. I I need to go back. And and I so Sunday morning I I get in my car and I'm heading back. And I get to where uh, you know you can go right and go to Colorado, or you can um, go to Texas. It's Lincoln, Nebraska. And so I. I went, and I got to Colorado Springs right at the time the service was starting. This was like, yeah, March, and, uh, you know, by the time I get to the church, it's getting dark, it's starting to snow. And um, so Chris is my friend there, and I meet an, another young evangelist named Joe Bieber, and I've never met Joe before. And and it's great for ministers to have an older minister about, that's older than them to Speaking of life, especially when you're young in ministry, it's super important to have an older minister to do ministry with. And evangelists are kind of lone wolves. Sometimes you don't get that. But it's great to have an older guy. But when you get our age, it's great to have a younger guy. Yeah. Because you learn things from the younger guys, and you're reminded oh, yeah. of things in the younger guy. And you're like, hey, I remember when I was that zealous. I remember, you know, and it really helps you. But you've got some wisdom and stuff, too, that they need. And, and so it's very complimentary in so many ways. Well... Um, healings and miracles and prophetic words, lots of words of knowledge, and um, one word of knowledge for someone that was uh, in the occult and witchcraft and on and on and on, and uh, nobody responded to that. And uh, this is an altar call for salvation. And finally, the family brings this young woman up, 
And I've seen someone like this before when I was an attorney and used to do uh, mental ill commitments. I would be an ad litem for the person that they're trying to commit to the state hospital, and they call it a catatonic state, and the person is just like zombified, and they don't can't respond to anything. Nobody knows why. Uh, and uh, so they won't eat, they won't talk, they won't respond anyway. And I remember when they brought this girl up, it was the same as this girl because her eyes were black as coal, and I didn't know that at that time when I was an attorney, but this girl was the same thing. Wow. And so I was going to pray for her, and God gave me the rest of the word of knowledge. And the Lord said, uh, you were raised a Christian, and as a young girl uh, in your church, someone in your family sexually molested you. And you have a great amount of spiritual receptivity, which was also not welcome in your particular denomination. The, the spiritual stuff was not allowed. So because of the, the trauma and because of the gift, uh, you went into the New Age, and now you're into fully into witchcraft. And as you know, around Colorado Springs, um, yeah. Manitou Springs, is that it? Yeah, yeah. That whole area, there's a lot of the occult. It's just a haven for it. It's the, it attracts people there. It's been there for a long time. And um, so she was into all that, and, and this woman was completely demonized. And, uh, I mean, they had her so much so that when we began to— she didn't come, walk into the building in a catatonic state, but as soon as the altar call came, the demons put her into one. Wow. And with that word of knowledge and, and then the, the love part of that word, how that Jesus loved her and different things. I ministered a lot to her. I can't I don't have time to go into it. A, a tear did flow. And as we tried to lead her personally, we'd let everybody else, you know, to Christ and ministered, prayed with them and led them in confession of faith. And we're lining up some people that want to be water baptized. And this is in an old Wesleyan church that they're allowing us to meet. And they do have Wesleyan, uh, they have a baptismal. I think that's the difference between Wesleyan Methodists is Methodists. Uh, uh, Wesleyans will baptize by immersion as adults and Methodists, I think, uh, you just, uh, it's a confirmation, right? I mean, you grew up yeah. in the Methodist church, you know that. Yeah. So anyway, so when she prayed to receive Jesus, it, it took everything can. It's like, it, to me, it reminded me when I first got saved, you'd have those ter- terrifying dreams at night and someone's on your chest trying to choke you to death and it takes everything you can do to get the name of Jesus out. And as soon as you get the name of Jesus out, you wake up out of the dream, you know? Yeah. But it was like, that was what was happening to her. And she got the name of Jesus out, and when she did, it broke. The catatonic state wow. broke as she barely was able to strain it out. And it broke enough that she had emotion, and she looked at her relatives and cried and grabbed them and hugged them, which, you know, that was a miracle to them. And she, of her own volition, said, you know, she wanted to get in the baptism line. Well, we have five towels. Nobody's, we have no clothes. It's a <laughs> snowstorm outside. And um, when she was water baptized, when she got in the tank, the power of God hit her. I mean, she went to shaking and screaming violently. Those demons came out of her, and she's gloriously filled the Holy Spirit, just starts speaking in tongues, most beautiful tongues. It's totally set free. It's totally filled. And, you know, the Holy Spirit's not going to abide and share his his temple with a with a demon. So yeah. when the Holy Spirit comes in, the demons come out. One of the yeah. greatest ways to deliver somebody is just fill them up with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So anyway, um, 
And water baptism is super important, I've learned, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because when people take that simple step of obedience to follow the Lord in that first command of water baptism, that's the first sign that He's your Lord, uh, it, well, it does a couple of things. Number one, it's an act of humility, which empties the person of their own ego and empties them of self, which means it's very easy for them to be filled and greatly filled with the Holy Spirit. Because usually the only reason that we have shallow baptisms of the Holy Spirit and no baptisms is self, either self-consciousness or self-hatred or I don't qualify or something or, or whatever, I don't need it. Yeah, or I or I know or I know everything. You know, I've been a Christian twenty five years, and I've got my doctrine, and I don't need that power. And and so you know, it's like uh, so it's, maybe they're full of spiritual pride or whatever. But 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 that act of baptism, it it deflates the ego, empties water baptism, empties the self out, and also because you did something where you obeyed Jesus, it gives you great faith. Also, when you come out of the out of the tank, the uh, we're three parts: spirit, soul, and body, and each part affects the other. So, doing that with your body and your soul, or maybe I guess you would really say doing it with your body and your spirit, even though it's just natural water, you feel so clean. You know, there, it, it just registers on the whole man. So you feel pure, you feel clean, you feel you got great faith, and you're. You're humble and obedient, and I've I've learned that I need to first baptize people in water before I minister to baptism of the Holy Spirit to them. And I learned that in Columbia, but um, I hadn't been I had been waiting, you know, seasons to do it. Seasons like we'd get some pray for somebody and they'd receive the new birth, and so we need to disciple them for a while before they get baptized in water and know what they're doing, we thought, you know, and, and we were just teaching it as an outward confession of an inward reality. We weren't realizing the power of deliverance in it. Yeah. Even for Christians. And so um so these young evangelists, they moved my goalposts because Joe said Joe baptized more than two hundred in the Pacific Ocean one on one, winning them one a day during COVID and getting them baptized in the Holy Spirit in Santa Cruz, California, which is the Satanic capital of America, that's where Anton LaVey started the Satanic Church and where Anton LaVey wrote the Satanic Bible was in Capitola, which is in Santa Cruz County. Wow. Santa Cruz County is a county of uh, it's, it's about 600,000, I believe, people, and uh, there's less than 5,000 Christians putting everybody together. So wow. it's like a mission field. And I've been there and ministered. Um, so it's like, Charlie... My first day as an evangelist is that person is born again, baptized in water, and baptized in the Holy Ghost, and then I'm done as evangelist. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> so they moved my goalposts. That's why it was good for me to hook up these guys. But they, one thing that Joe didn't know anything and Chris didn't know anything about was the power of intercession. So there was an exchange wherein I was t- t- telling them prayer stories. I just shared one or two. Should have shared more, but... Um, about the power of of travailing intercession and how there's an impartation of that and how that we can get baptized in the Holy Spirit but not by baptizing fire and how that I'd been baptized in the Holy Spirit for a number of years and then I got baptized in fire because he said, the one that's coming after me, I'm not worthy to tie his sandals. 
Surely I baptize you in water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. I'm talking about Jesus being the baptizer of the Holy Spirit and fire. And, and so I laid hands on Joe, and he received that impartation. He went back to Santa Cruz, and it hit his whole team, his small team. That you know, They're all new believers, kids that got you know, saved on the beach or at the university or on the street. And, um, and, um, and he said, Charlie, this is amazing because we went out. He called me so excited. He said, we went out after we were on the floor praying, weeping and crying for souls for hours. We went out after God gave us that, that grace. And uh, we were lucky before we'd get, build a fire on a beach, strum a guitar, and if eight people stopped to listen and two stayed the whole time, we sang and if one or two heard the gospel, and man, we were so lucky if we one received Jesus and we got to baptize him. He said, I know this is the power of God because this prayer, because uh, we went out, built the fire, did everything the same, and more than 50 not only gathered up, they stayed. Wow. And we baptized 12 tonight. Wow. And so Joe's whole ministry just blew up in in the numbers of salvations and, and uh, the things that God's doing. So... He came here, and we had a revival in Canton uh, right after that. I invited. I already had the revival scheduled here, and we went three weeks here in Canton, and I guess that was April of 21. And we baptized people in the swimming pool at the RV resort that we had the meeting at, and it was cold, cold water. And we had no no clothes. We just had a few <laughs> towels. People brought, we had more towels. And uh, we baptized people in their 60s and 70s, I even think 80s, all the way down to children and everybody in between. We baptized entire families. Some of the baptisms were, were, were rebaptisms. People had been baptized, but people got breakthrough, got miracles and deliverance. And then many of them had been baptized before, either as a baby in the Catholic faith or Methodist um, and they never, as an adult, received baptism as an, just an act of their own will. But not only were they baptized, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And there were some folks out of different denominations here, people I've known my whole life, people that were my sister's age, and and uh, I've known them since I was a little bitty boy, and people that I've prayed for at different times throughout the years. And, and, um, and just, uh, just great miracles. Um, I think one of the one, most wonderful miracles was that um, every morning we were praying. I was teaching on prayer, but but before and after we had a group of men. There's five men, not not women, but men, and we were we we're getting after it on the floor in tongues, but also with the, with the travail. And um, one morning, one of the men in a vision while he's praying saw a woman uh, walk in to the church that night. And that she had uh, a very severe problem in a uh, not necessarily intimate area, but but kind of so. That's kind of what he knew. It's general, but yet knew enough that it was a woman, and it was very critical. But uh, you know, in in the lower parts, I'll say it that way. But, but it's kind of what he knew. Well, we had started the meeting. And worship's going on, and Bo's doing the worship. And in, through the back door comes um, a woman late for the meeting and sits on the back row. 
by herself. Uh, I just looked over my shoulder, saw a woman walk in. That was it. Well, she'd no longer been seated that Bo got a word of knowledge about someone who had a very severe uh, bladder problem and kidney problem. And this woman stood up. And so since Bo gave that, and I felt like we should not wait with this woman. So I said, Bo, just put your guitar down and get Andrea. I'll go pray for her right now. Well, when they went over and prayed for her, the power of God hit her so strong she screamed loudly, and it, and when and when she, and when the power of God hit her, it knocked her down, and it, it, it also the power of God hit the woman sitting next to her, which <laughs> fell in the woman sitting next to her, and 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 God healed that woman too. Wow! But this woman was instantly healed, and that's the first time she comes. Yes, and and here's the testimony: she came when she came back the next week and gave the testimony, and what had happened was um, she was a believer. Something happened to her bladder. It quit working. She ended up down in, I don't know if it was Mother Francis or East Texas Medical Center, Tyler. She's from Lindale. Um, I can't can't figure it out. I can't fix it. So they put a catheter in because her kidneys, of course, are going to be destroyed if her bladder doesn't work, right? So she got a catheter. And um, she goes home with a catheter. I guess she had it hidden. I don't know what kind of catheter it was. She comes to the meeting. She was discharged from the hospital that day exhausted, went home, laid down, and a voice spoke to her, said, go to Canton, Texas. Wow. And she's like, God, I, I don't have the energy to go to Canton. She's, this woman knows the Holy Spirit, right? Get up, go to Canton. So she said, I got up. She said, God, give me enough time to take a shower. She got up took a shower. She got in her car and drove to I-20 from wherever she lives in Lindale, and uh, she Stop, say, God, I don't have the, I can't do it. I don't have the strength to do it. Voice kept continuing, go to Canton. And she then got over here, I think, maybe to the van rest area, and again pulled over, and she was going to, then I said, Lord, I just can't do it. And, you know, you got several exits for Canton, right? Yeah. Which she could have taken two or three before Highway 19, but when she got to 19, the Lord said, take this exit. And then she got on... From I-20 on 19, the Lord said, go right. Well, the place we're having the venue is yeah. you know, less than maybe a half a mile up on the right. She gets, she sees the sign and turn in here, and you know, there's only one thing going on there, and, and she sees the meeting room and the cars in front of it, and she comes in. And as soon as she walks in, the word of knowledge is for her. She's instantly healed. She goes home, completely healed, has to go back to the doctor the next day, completely healed. They do all the tests, perfectly healed. Completely. But we saw many other miracles. Uh, a woman that was in her 80s that uh, was crippled at nine in Pennsylvania, uh, still having severe pain in her legs, was ill of that pain. A lot of things. But uh, then I went with Joe to his hometown, which is Mason City, Clear Lake, Iowa, and we combined a brand-new Spirit-filled church, rest, less than a year old, with a, the oldest Lutheran Church in Clear Lake, <laughs> and the largest, and it's a progressive church, uh, great church. And the first night, word of knowledge for just a knee and an ankle, this guy shoots up, instantly healed. First guy that answers the altar call for salvation. And we're, we got a horse trough out on the parking lot to baptize people. He, As soon as we say we're baptizing, he runs out of the building. Man, he's running across the parking lot taking his boots off, taking his belt off. I mean, he's the first guy we baptized, and he's like, do I need to take my britches off? We're like, no, leave those on. <laughs> you know, we we got a towel for you, but that's all we got. Yeah. 
leave it on. Just give us your cell phone, your keys. This guy gets baptized. As soon as he gets out of the tank, we got four kids on Joe's team, lay hands on him. He's instantly filled with the Holy Spirit. This God just lights this guy up like a light bulb. And and he really is a sign and a wonder to everybody because everybody knows him. So he's now he's going around town now telling everything that happened, sharing the gospel, sharing his testimony. So his testimony is this. My wife has drugged me to the Lutheran church every Sunday for decade after decade after decade, and I have sat there and filled that pew. The other night, I found out that Jesus Christ truly is alive and that he loves me. He loves me. Found out he's my healer. He's my savior. He's my Lord. And he filled me with the Holy Spirit. And this guy was a good old boy, a great businessman, had a very large business, but he was a hard partying dude and, a, you know, rough talking dude. And he's just one of those guys that everybody loved him, but, you know, he'd never given his heart to Jesus. And that, because that guy got saved in that town, that just ran through that town like wildfire his whole testimony, and people's like, God's doing something, man. If he got saved, God's doing something. <laughs> and God, a, a girl came that was uh, going to have to have surgery on her leg and leg in a cast. The Lord healed her. She worked at a coffee shop. And finally, her employee said, if you don't shut up about the Lord, we're going to have to fire you because, you know, a lot of people don't want to hear that when they come in here. But she just got, and she was this timid person. Yeah, She became an evangelist. Anyway, that revival, was, we only went, it was only for three or four nights, but we went two or three extra nights. But the cool thing about that was one of the last nights was in the Lutheran church. And, uh, Wally, we um, walked with more than 200 Lutheran people down to Clear Lake in the middle of the night and baptized them in the lake. And Lutherans are also uh, christened at birth. Yeah. And every one of them that came up out of the lake got filled with the Holy Ghost. Wow. And there were outstanding other miracles of healing. But, um, I mean, I'm talking about, I, I baptized a lady that um, had a cochlear implant in one ear, and her hearing, her hearing another ear had been gone forever. She was scared to get in the water because she's afraid she's going to lose the rest of her hearing. But she said, I, I, I know the Lord spoke to me tonight, so I know I have no fear he's with me. And she said, that doesn't make a difference anyway. I'm pretty close to heaven as it is. <laughs> but anyway, so she got baptized, and God just lit the town up. And uh, um, we're still hearing testimonies of not only the healings but the changed lives. So we've had a few other assignments. Uh, we're in revival in a small town in Texas right now. Went four nights. We're going to do another four nights this week. But God told me that we are in the third great awakening. I believe he, that. He he said that, you know, first great awakening, 1730 to 1770, gave birth to the nation. Second great awakening from uh, 1835 to into the 1860 uh, came and sustained the nation, kept it probably from completely fracturing during the Civil War. And, and I think because of the, what happened in that revival, and, and again, the spirit of prayer, and probably the, the prayer kept the nation together afterward. And uh, I truly believe with all my heart that God, because of his mercy and his love, um, that he's given us this third one, which will rescue the nation from yeah. from the moral decline. And I, I know in my heart that it doesn't make any difference who we vote in Washington in any office won't change the nation. Yeah. The only thing that changed the nation is 
an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And not to preach, but, you know, there's a scripture where God spoke to Samuel and he said, why are you mourning for Saul? Leave and go anoint the next king. And, and God went, and we know, you know, it's David, and he was the youngest. And so God poured his spirit, his anointing, on a young shepherd boy. And God's way is always to awaken a new generation or several new generations, young generations, and pour spirit out on those young shepherd boys and shepherd girls. They will rise up and, and reform the nation. That's that's your future and my future, you yeah, know, is them. I agree. And so that's what's happening. That's where it's at. Um, and we're actually seeing that again. Yeah. Uh, so what we're seeing right now is uh, Zechariah, uh, I believe it's 1210, where it says, I will pour out on the house of David a spirit of grace and supplication, and then they will look upon him whom they pierce. Then it goes on to talk about he will open up a fountain of cleansing and for sin, and people throw down their idols or lay down their idols. Well, this spirit of prayer, you can say a spirit of prayer, spirit of intercession, spirit of supplication, is talking about this prayer at a deeper level. Uh, where you're actually praying by the Holy Spirit many times you know who's for and it's it's pretty extreme at times but um, it's a grace yeah but it's here again and and every great revival starts with this first revival transforms a church an awakening transforms a nation and that's what I see happening is God filling people with that that fire and they begin to pray and it's like reading a Finney book you know it's like Reading those old revival books, we're seeing those same things happen. We're seeing yeah. as people pray. We, I, I have a story about a man that Vietnam vet found his wife cheating on him. Uh, this happened in my ministry, and a couple of the men were led to go at four o'clock and pray at the church, each individually, and they showed up together. And by the time I get there at seven, they're just caught up in the spirit. I'm just leave them in the children's classroom, and they pray and. This man's coming down the road with his with his rifles loaded, and he's got a suicide note. It's already been written out and put in a sealed envelope with his will and testament delivered to his attorney the day before. This is all planned. He knows where the where wife and boyfriend are, and he's on his way to do the deed and then kill himself. And uh, he gets in front of this church, and he doesn't know what happened. I saw it with my own eyes. The man right in the middle of my service bust through the doors, ran down, sat on the front row. As soon as he sat down on the front row, I saw the fire God knock him out of his chair in the floor, and the guy began to weep and scream. Wow. And he rolled around, weeping and screaming and crying like a baby. Then he began to laugh. And uh, that man came every time, every prayer meeting, every service after that. Until one day a woman was delivered from suicide as a visitor that came through a word of knowledge. And he said, Lord, I was never going to say anything. He told me I had to to speak today. So he told us that story. Wow. And what happened was he said, I got in front of the church on my way, and everything, this bright white light hit me. Uh, he left his truck running, left his door of his truck open, he ran in. I mean, it's just like God gripped him off the highway. Well, that's what the power of that prayer is. Yeah. And so um, we're seeing that stuff again, yeah. So anyway, Wally, thanks for thanks for inviting me. Um, now tell us, Charlie, if people are listening to this and they'd like to know more about your ministry and who you are and what you're doing, sure. how can they get in touch with sure. you, or how can they find you on the internet? Yeah, let me let me give a little bit of information. The name of the ministry is Soul Harvest Missions, plural. So you can go to soulharvestmissions.com. dot 
or soulharvestmissions.org. Uh, it tells about us. There's uh, usually a posting every month there of our newsletter. All of those are full of miracles and salvations and things. And uh, we don't post a lot about what we're doing in Asia there uh, for obvious reasons. But if you sign up for our email, then you'll get all of those letters about what we're doing in Asia every month. And of course, all over the States and in Colombia as well. Um, I was going to, let me just give this. So soulharvestmissions.com or .org, or you can write to us at, at PO Box 116, Canton, Texas, 75103. Or you can uh, text me at 903-340-0033. And let me just give you also a, a text link. Uh, you can text the word missions, plural, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-S, to 888-444-8774, and that'll send a link. And when you click on that link, that'll take you uh, to the giving page on our website. But you can also, from that, just go to the website. And that would be the best way. Uh, if you do sign up for our newsletter, you'll get a text where you have to confirm that you signed yourself up or you won't get it. And sometimes that may hit your junk mail, or you may not associate the name Soul Harvest Missions with Charlie Elliott. But um, I want to say I've been to El Salvador a couple times and with Wally. I know the great work that Wally's doing. I thank God for Wally. Wally is still to this day, as uh, far as I'm concerned, the best used pastor that ever, ever was. Uh, he loved my boys and ministered to them, and... So many young men from this town, their life changed because of Wally and Judy and their sacrifice. So many lives have been changed in El Salvador because of them, but many lives here in the States have been completely transformed just by the teams that go down. And if you really want to go on a mission trip and see the Lord use you in miracle signs and wonders and healings, uh, just go with Wally and Judy because uh, that will happen. So um, thank you, Wally. Love you. No, thank you, Charlie. You did everything we asked you to do, and I just appreciate being your friend all these years. And thank you guys for listening to these podcasts, and be blessed.